The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the second Marvel Cinematic Universe show available to stream on Disney+. Plus. But is this show flag-smashing or barren and zero? I'm Mike. And I'm Jack. And this is Popscorn. podcast and tv show review podcast as today we cover the falcon and the winter soldier as we've already said the second of uh, the big slate of marvel cinematic universe shows coming to disney plus this year it's one of five shows i want to say uh, we've still got loki what if and miss marvel this year oh i thought hawkeye was this year as well oh shit maybe it's six then is it miss marvel this year I'm positive they said Miss Marvel's issue. In fact, I'm going to double check it now. You do that. Uh, I'm always Darren. He's always Mike. Um, but yes, this is the second one at the very least. Uh, we feel like we're getting back to normal with some Marvel stuff. We did get the trailer for Shang-Chi. I did say on our Oscar episode that we would be getting an Eternals trailer almost immediately after the Oscars finished when Chloe Zhao did win the Best Director Oscar. Uh, it is, well, it's the day after now, and we still haven't got that trailer, but I still feel it's pretty imminent. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, the good times are here again. We're only a couple of months away from both the third one, which will be Loki, and uh, Black Widow, our first Marvel movie, in two years. Hopefully I've spoken enough that Michael has now Googled what he needed to. Yeah, I just, just want to say that. Uh, Darren is naught for naught on his Oscar predictions, and I am 23 for 20. <laughs> Sorry, 20 for 23. So uh, I'm feeling good about myself. Yeah, so we've had one vision. We've just had Falcon the Winter Soldier. We've got Loki starting on June 11th. What if starting? It just says mid-2021. Miss Marvel and Hawkeye in late 2021. Oh, damn. Okay. Six series, three films. They are making up for time for sure. God damn. Well, fair enough. Now, admittedly... Of the three that we'd already known were coming since, uh, like, we, we saw substantive trailers for all of these uh, over December. Uh, this one definitely seemed to be the least out there, and by far and away the most grounded of the uh, the first three uh, Disney Plus Marvel TV shows we were going to get. Um, considering the series that it's coming out of from the films, that was to be expected. Um, but yeah, this is not the high fantasy of WandaVision, nor is it as head-trippy as Loki seems uh, to be gearing up for. But, you know, that's okay to have a little bit of a palate cleanser now and then. It is. This very much seems like the first attempt to actually make a Marvel movie into a full-on TV series, which can be seen in the lower episode count. We had nine episodes of WandaVision. Here we've only got six. However, the episodes were longer. I think the shortest was 45 minutes. The longest was an hour, I think. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Sounds about right. So in actuality, it's kind of the length of about two Marvel movies or one Endgame. So actually, no, it's probably it's probably still double the length of Endgame, isn't it? That's weird to think about. Mm-hmm. 
Although I, I think that the running time is going to be something that we are going to be discussing as we get into it. But I think we should start, as is tradition, with the cast. Uh, most of them uh, returning from previous movies. No less the two title characters of Falcon and Winter Soldier, played by Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. Um, as it turns out, the order of those characters in the title is very indicative of what the series is. Mm-hmm. So I think we should start with Sam Wilson. Um, and the thing is, I, I, I don't think Falcon was ever anybody's favorite character. No. Um, and and that is in and, and Falcon, you know, appeared for the first time in the Winter Soldier movie, um, where, again, he was probably the third or fourth most interesting character there. Um, reappeared for Civil War, where again, you know, that was a movie where we got to watch everybody fight and introduce Spider-Man. So, but that's the first time we got that kind of love-hate relationship with Sam and Bucky that is what drives this show forward. This comes after Endgame, so it is after both Bucky and uh, Sam were snapped out of existence for five years. It's them coming back to, you know... <laughs> all the apparently all the people that were clicked away managed to just hit the ground running because they came back straight to a fight so fair play mm-hmm. um but in, instead of it being a uh a series that really delves into the absence I mean, it does delve into the absence of steve rogers but it starts quite slow um in fact it starts with sam wilson failing to get a loan and financial situations is not something i had considered when the world changes for five years so i'm glad they delved into that um but yeah what did you think of uh anthony Mackie's performance in this since he is pretty much the lead i think it as well i think it kind of builds on what the falcon's role was in the movies in that he's very much the everyman i mean like in the core avengers group steve is the everyman like i know he's a technically a time traveler but he is that kind of moral grounding uh but sam wilson for the most part just felt like a normal person you know no superpowers he had some fancy tech i'll give him that but other than that he really did feel like the most normal person out of probably all of the avengers um because, I mean, even Rhodey is like a colonel, right? So he's a big shot in the army, whereas it was never really described what his military background was, but it wasn't that substantive for Sam Wilson. So I've always liked him, but because he's the everyman, he never really gets any chance to rise above that. And like you said, he's no one's favourite character. I think he does a good job. I do think Antonyaki carries all of that likability into this, but... By having to coming off that background, does that make him a very easy protagonist? I don't think it does. It's it's an interesting because in the context of the show, you're right. They are showing real life ramifications from the snap. It's one of the many driving forces of this series. He's kind of like, well, what would realistically happen if Earth population shrunk by fifty percent and then five years later grew by fifty percent? And how would you deal with that, you know, not just physically, but like politically, economically, that's going to throw everything into the, into chaos. And we see that primarily through Sam's eyes, because, again, he has that most real life connection, um, real life grounding that, well, Bucky Barnes doesn't have. Um, I think it is fine. Uh, I don't really have any criticisms of 
his performance in particular. Uh, but you're all right. Some of his storylines don't. It's a it's a bigger criticism I have of the show, so I might say it for a little bit. But a lot of his storylines feel a little half baked, and like they could have been good if they'd really stuck the course with maybe one of two of them. But giving him as many as he did, like he's trying to save his family's fishing boat, he's trying to live with the legacy of the shield, um, some racial stuff, which we'll get into later, so on and so forth. They all feel a little underdone. It, it does, doesn't it? And that is within a... I mean, let's be charitable and let's say they had 60 minutes per episode and they couldn't tie up these stories in, you know, six hours. That's not a great track record. And it does kind of undo the Sam Wilson character a little bit. It's not as smooth as a transition into what this character is going to be going forward, as you'd hope. On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, you have the reverse problem for Bucky, where it feels like we had one storyline that resolved halfway through and then we just had Bucky laying around and that was just a bit of a shame I feel like there was so much to say with Sam that we ended up saying not as much as we could have done and then possibly a bit too much on Bucky slash we didn't know what to do with him we've got two fairly you know underutilized characters in the MCU so far I outside of Outside of Bucky in The Winter Soldier, where he is the antagonist, and I feel like you really use him to his fullest extent, I can't really say that in those six hours we we got everything we would have wanted to have seen out of the Falcon, which is a shame because those are your two title characters, and I, I don't feel like they're the best done. This isn't a situation like in WandaVision where we've seen the truest extent of either of their abilities. Mm. And this isn't a deep dive into a singular topic that then feels fully fleshed out to then move on and go and do something different. Whatever comes after this show, and it is reportedly going to be a Captain America 4 movie, it is carrying leftover baggage from this series. And I I just don't think that's a particularly good place to have ended the series in. Not that it's the fault of Anthony Mackie as Sam or Sebastian Stan as Bucky. It's not their fault. It's just the material they've been given. Yeah, I agree. I think both do really well. And both have some really, really good scenes in here. When they when they allow them to really get stuck into one of their plot lines by itself, it really works. I, I, I'm almost in two minds. Would this have worked better as two separate series one following Sam and one following Bucky. Like, I get the appeal of combining them because they did have that kind of friction in, well, all of the previous times we've seen them together. So I get the appeal there. But again, it just doesn't leave anything time to breathe. So, like, Bucky's dealing with, well, his best friend is, we don't know, not there. Is yeah, the, not the around. Way. Yeah, he's <laughs> either dead uh, or on the moon. Or has gone back to an alternative timeline. So we don't know where Steve Rogers <laughs> is in the context moon. of this. Like, well, that's like brought up several times that people are like, I thought he was on the moon. Um, so <laughs> who knows? I mean, if that's a way to make the Inhumans non-canon, that the, the only thing on the moon is Steve Rogers, don't ask anything else, then... Oh, I've just had a thought. Do I want to hear that thought? Uh, it's not a spoiler, so yeah, let, let's do it. Um... Let's say Steve Rogers comes back for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what if he's the man on the wall? Oh, 
doing it. Well, to be fair, Nick Fury was in space at the end of Far From Home. Yeah. So, like, do you really get Chris Evans back to do that? Yeah, not it, be... not with the ending they gave him. They gave him the best ending out of any of the characters. So they did. I can't see him doing that. But no. Peggy, it, the thing is, Peggy still died when she died. So yeah. Steve is on his own. He is, and so is Bucky. And it, it seems like it's gearing up to really be the not the redemption because i feel like we've already had that it's him finding inner peace with everything he has previously done and kind of letting go of his past we see him in therapy early on he's actually got steve rogers's book um that he was writing down all the cultural things he'd missed um that he had in the winter soldier but he is instead turned it into kind of a burn book he's just listed out everyone that he either helped or in some way impacted on their lives during his time as the Winter Soldier, and he's going through, like, reparations for them. And it feels like there's there's enough narrative weight there to make that its own series, but you are right, he very much feels like second... His name could have permanently been changed to and the Winter Soldier, because he's very much, like, second fiddle to everything going on here. There's some really, like, nice scenes... There's one in particular that opens an episode that actually doesn't have any talking from Sebastian Stan, but it's just a brilliant, like, in a nutshell, like, um, encapsulation of what Bucky's trying to achieve, mm. of the the relief of being freed from the shackles of Hydra and being under the mind control. It's, oh, it's fantastic. It might be my favourite scene of the whole thing, that it literally doesn't have Sebastian Stan talking in it, but... <laughs> I, I think I know the one you mean, and that is, like, in terms of showing emotion without having to explain yourself, it's mm. so good. It's so well done. So that's what I mean. That kind of encapsulates that we don't have any issues with the two main actors. I think they both do great. It doesn't feel like complete left turns from where we left them. At the end of, well, to be fair, Civil War was the last time we got substantive time with either of these people, but certainly at the end of Endgame. It's great, but the problem is that there's there's a lot of narrative things they're trying to do, and it's all very interesting, but all of them feel underserved because of the short episode count, factoring in other things that are trying to grab attention. There's just, there's a lot going on. Maybe it could have done with more episodes to really give it the time it needed to, to dig deep into these things and to give us more time to have fun with these characters because the the friction part of their relationship, which for me would be the entire reason to put them back together in a series, doesn't really play all that bigger part in it. it no, that is... Part in it when it's like... Um, what's the word? When it's necessary to the plot, they will ink it back in but then when it's more necessary for them to just be friends they will also do that that's true that is the core problem with this this series compared to wandavision and some might say it's unfair to compare it to wandavision but it isn't because they are occupying the same space on the same streaming service and they are thoroughly comparable the problem with this is that it doesn't have the narrative tenterhooks like at the end of every wandavision episode where the mystery slowly unraveled to to engage people on a week-to-week -week basis this is plain and simple a film split up into six parts and the problem with that is that you don't always get the perfect way to end each episode certainly the episode one and episode five i guess even though i really didn't like episode five end with kind of like a 
and what's going to happen next or oh wait who is this now actually i think episode four ends pretty well as well Mm -hmm. it has that kind of oh fuck moment which is good that's half the series though the half series doesn't have that and it is because this is a bit more of a procedural series this isn't meant to be playing with something that we're not totally unaware of like what the loki series is going to do with the tra and like wandavision did with we don't understand what the hex is there's no there's nothing to reveal like you just like you said earlier these characters it's not a million miles away from what they were doing at the end of endgame and by the end of it it's not a million miles away from what they want to do with the characters going forward there isn't that much progression there certainly is some and we'll get to it because it isn't spoilers but it's not monumental this feels like an incremental step forward to where the franchise is going less so a fully explored story where the characters go from one state of being to the other um I don't know if there's anything else to say about our leads, really. I liked them, but they are probably... Actually, they're probably the most underserved characters by the script, and they're the fucking leads. <laughs> like, I, I think when they do play into those storylines, and we do get some of that, particularly in the last episode, where some of the plot points, I guess, come to fruition. Although, you know, talk of a Captain America 4 with these characters kind of means, well, they haven't really fully explored those, have they? But... Yeah, I feel like, you know what, that was a criticism I'm going to make of the whole series. I'll save that for later. But yeah, I I still like both characters. I'm still excited to see them come back. I wouldn't even necessarily be against the season two. But yeah, that they have, that they're, they're, they're hampered by some of the storylines and some of the creative decisions that went alongside this series. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I think we want to move next to the the things that are returning before we get to the new stuff. Because I think the new stuff is the most wildly varying, whereas the returning stuff, I think, is of a certain quality. So do you mind if we skip to Zemo? Because Zemo was in the uh, marketing and promotional materials, so it's not like this is a surprise that this character's back. Yep, that's no problem. Um, I really like Zemo in this. He was used sparingly. I think he uh, it did something different with him. Um, he generated a surprising amount of humour. I just like Daniel Brühl as an actor, which helps. I, I, I just really enjoyed how you think it's going to be one thing and it's very much another. And that was interesting to watch. I agree. I think he's having a lot of fun here. Like he's kind of it, it's it's a bit of a left turn from his character in Civil War, who is this ultra serious, you know, man on a mission, blinded by the light type of character. Now he's like having fun and having a dance in a disco, and he's loaded and all this jazz. Like the 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 character change is quite startling, but it still works because Daniel Brawl's having fun with it. Um, I, I think. It's it's kind of hard to tell what they're trying to achieve with the Baron Zemo character because you have to remember he is a terrorist. He did blow up the UN, like you know you can't. And he's a murderer. But they're trying to give him this like cuddly edge, mm. and that it's a bit weird, right? It it is a bit strange. I, I think I think it only works because of how how Daniel Brawl can toe the line so well between um kind of like like say that cuddly edge but there is like a kind of a pseudo seriousness in his face that you know that this is this is a facade you know that even though even though baron zemo's out at a discotheque popping um 
uh, Turkish delights into people's mouths, mm-hmm. you know he's a murderer underneath. You know he's a man of a singular mindset behind the facade, and that only works because of his performance. It's it's hard to um, it's hard to figure out where they're going to go with him next because they they keep that. I don't want to make this much of a spoiler, but they they make a conceited effort to keep this character alive. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if they were going to dispose of him, this would have been the story to do it in, because there is a a very similar Baron Zemo like character in this story who is not as good as Baron Zemo and is very flawed and we'll get to them. Uh, but this that seemed like that could have easily been a stand in for Zemo. Maybe Zemo was that character in the first draft of the story yeah. before it became this. And whilst he's very much a second fiddle to both of our uh, leads, as you might expect, he's at least used in a way where I was subverted quite nicely. I'll give you that. I, I feel like I never really got over this inkling that he felt like a tokenistic inclusion here. Yeah. Like, because he's, like, you know, a main character from a previous Captain America movie, that's why he was here, not necessarily to you know, for the betterment of the plot. It was great because Daniel Brawl's fun, but there's so many logic loopholes you have to jump through to get him involved. Like, why would anybody on the planet, particularly Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes, decide to work alongside Zemo? Like, they do give some, like, throwaway explanation for why Bucky's happy to do that, but mm. why would he ever really want to get into bed with a man who framed him and tried to get him killed you know what i mean like yeah it's there's a lot of hand waving to go about because they just like daniel brawl and clearly have plans for the baron zemo character going forward although it doesn't appear to be a lot in his mask because he puts it on once for no discernible reason (laughs) and it is never seen again it is whipped off in the same scene as well never like never to be seen again it feels like they just did it to have it on the poster and then that was that that is genuinely it because like I have no, there is no explanation for why in the middle of this like gunfight, Baron Zemo puts a purple sock on his face and then <laughs> takes it off, never to mention it again. <laughs> it's the, uh, what's, what's great is that it's, it's so pointless. And yet it's in the episode that has some of the best action because it was the one directed by the John Wick guys. Yeah. And it was like, so we had this so that we could have the stunt double come in for that scene. And then you so we could just whip it straight off. That might be right, you know. I will say, just whilst we bring action up, I do think that's probably the strongest point of the series. I think, I mean, don't worry, it's not Winter Soldier levels of, of excellence, but... It's pretty good. Like the opening action scene with Sam, um, who's chasing down uh, Batroc the Leaper, another returning character, again played by uh, George St. Pierre from the UFC. Uh, he's fine. Um, you get a bit more fleshed out in this, um, but not by a lot. Uh, it's a really great action scene. It's probably the best one of the series. But then we get a lot of hand-to-hand combat as well that just really works. Whenever action is called upon to kind of bear the weight of the episode, it it tends to be the best part of that episode. It is, yeah. That that it th- that's a theme throughout as well. That uh, when they shut up and start fighting, the series gets a lot better. Which I don't know whether that tells you what we think of the plot, but uh, yeah, think of that what you will. It, the reason because there's only six episodes as well, they have to kind of try and figure out their set pieces um, a bit more ahead of time, and that does work 
I would say for every other episode. Mm-hmm. I think the set pieces. Uh, then again, I'm thinking about the one in episode two, and I like that one as well because the one in episode one is the uh, the one that's like mostly Falcon, yeah. which is pretty good. The one in two on the, the trucks, which is in the trailer, that's pretty good. Then you've got the uh, the John Wick episode in episode three, um, mm-hmm. which obviously uh, contains the best use of sock in the in the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, at four and five is where I struggle to think of anything interesting to happen, and then we get to the uh, finale. Outside of the thing that happens at the end of episode four, I felt like this is where time could have been compressed the most. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, the, the, to be fair, as much as we're saying, there's a, there is a lot going on in this series, and it really could have done with a bit more, either giving it more time or more refinement. Um but then I keep coming back to things that have like just dropped. So everyone was excited to go to Madripoor, and we went there for one episode, and that was it. And I really felt like there was more ground to to kind of play with there, but we didn't. Mm. Um, I mean, speaking of tokenistic characters, like yes, it feels like Baron Zemo's a little bit of that, but my God, does Sharon Carter not need to be here? <laughs> She's so obviously like was written in at the last minute because Emily Van Camp had a space in her window. Uh, and it's just, just fucking pointless, really, isn't it? It adds nothing. Uh, and I don't mean that she's terrible because she isn't. She's dealing the best with the material she was given. But there is no need for Sharon Carter to be here, much like there was no need for her to be in Civil War either. And, and they're trying to do something with her. And it's not working, and I just want them to forget about it now before it gets out of hand. I don't think so, though, because, like, cards on the table, this may be one of the worst written, maybe worse is wrong, most unsubtly written characters in recent MCU history. Like, she, she's, you meant to, well, I, I think the intention was, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, I guess, so if you don't want to hear anything more about Sharon Carter, then feel free to skip ahead a little bit, but it feels like they want you to be double-guessing if she's, uh, you know, a double agent or she's got a bit of a dark side, but there's no subtlety. It's like, after the first time we meet her, it's incredibly obvious that she's turned to the dark side, but yet they keep the pretense up that we're meant to be going, ooh, what's Sharon up to? It's it's obvious, isn't it, people? Like, she's gone (laughs) evil, and she's making no real attempt to hide that at all it's baffling isn't the first thing we see her do in this series cold cocker dude in the head well yeah and then she's like welcome to my art house that's full of stolen art pieces and like shouldn't the characters be questioning why are you i mean i know she's on the run from uh, i think she was cia in civil war um yeah she was out of the intelligence kind of circles but She's now just gone completely, like, how do you go from, well, I, I was in the CIA, but I helped Captain America, to international art smuggler, and <laughs> no one seems to question why Sharon's gone so crazy. Um, it's it, it, really it, bad. It's, it's like, you know, when like you walk out of a, a shop, like when you've just done self-service and you didn't pay for the toffee crispy picked up at the last second? Uh-huh. It's like doing that and going... Fucking hell, I got away with that. Time to go on a mass murdering <laughs> spree. <laughs> right? But it's Clearly, like, I don't I'm know bulletproof. Why... <laughs> Look, 
I I know that you know Bucky and Sam don't know her that well, but they know well enough to like kind of reach out to her. But like, imagine if I'm just gonna pick like imagine if Hawkeye came back, but Hawkeye all of a sudden was like you know he'd won the lottery and was incredibly rich and he got really into buying giraffes, let's say. But when uh, who knows Hawkeye well? When Scarlet Witch turns up, she doesn't bother to question any of this. She just starts talking to her friend. Like, so much has changed with Sharon Carter. No one seems to... Maybe they don't care about Sharon Carter either. Like, in-universe, maybe no one really gives a shit, and that's what's pushed her over the edge. She's realised that no one cares about her, so she's just going to go mad. Again, I don't think this is Emily Van Camp's fault. I think she's good. I wish they had done more substantive things with her after Winter Soldier, but, oh boy, just she felt like... We have to include all ancillary Captain America characters, no matter how ill-fitting they are for the series, and that screams the loudest with uh, with Sharon Carter. Really does. Um, that being said, there is a actually, you know what? I'm going to keep that returning cameo a secret. You're going to have to watch. Admittedly, it's the first episode, but you're going to have to watch the first episode to find out about who returns for one scene. Uh, let's talk the new stuff, and I think the thing that Fingers crossed, I think we're both going to give very high praise for, because I was worried about Wyatt Russell. I was worried about putting USA Agent in this series. And broadly speaking, I was very impressed. I agree. See, I, I wasn't. I thought the US Agent kind of, and um, the, the government's version of trying to own the Captain America narrative, I think is the perfect person to put into this series of kind of, in, in a way of examining um, the, you know, not the death of a founding father or anything, but you know what I mean? Like, how do we deal with that legacy? What would he's, the friends of Captain America want to do versus what would the government want to do? Because he's the most government, for lack of a better word, superhero there is. What would the government want to do about that? And having a figurehead jump in that's like this all-American boy makes a lot of sense. I will say... This is the only criticism I will give. Wyatt Russell's an odd-looking person. <laughs> how is it possible to have no chin and all chin at the same time? <laughs> like, but how is it the? How is it to be like? How is it possible to be the product of the loins of um, <laughs> Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn and yet look like that? Like, yeah, it's I'm impressive. not saying he's ugly. This thing, I like, he's not ugly. I'm not saying that at all. Like, he's he's just, he's a he's weird to look at sometimes. <laughs> and I can't quite put my finger on. He himself does kind of like allude to this. That said, the first time you see him turn up in the Captain America helmet, it does look like uh, the geezer from Up has put the Captain America <laughs> helmet on, and it looks weirdly familiar. That um, shot is very much. We did twenty takes, and that was the best that, one. <laughs> 100 percent. but no i think past that like he's really good in this he's like probably again the most interesting character i think particularly of all the new ones introduced he's by far and away the most interesting character still has some inconsistencies um that we'll get into after spoilers but um in terms of his whole arc i think he has the most satisfying one yeah easily like he's easily the i would say the best part of this entire series and up until a stumbling which we'll talk about i think thematically works the best is the most interesting person in the room whenever he's on screen i think actually they've they they the thing they did the best 
was they picked somebody who very much was just a poster boy. And that performance where, like, he's being Captain America on TV is... It's so identifiably fake that it works too perfectly for the character mm. of John Walker. It's really well done. And, and when you peel back that character's layers, especially... And there are some pretty unsubtle scenes later on, but the, the scenes that are a bit more, you know, what John Walker thinks America looks like is where we really get into the meat and potatoes of the series because it's it's very, very layered, very interesting. And much like what we've said about good villains in previous episodes, I feel like I've talked about Thanos in the last four or five podcasts. But you don't... You, you hate John Walker because he's very much an antagonist, certainly in the first half of the series. But the thing is, you understand his history because because they've clearly, you know, because the John Walker character is somebody who comes from a military background and someone who is very proud. And, you know, as you said, the all-American white bread person, you know who this person is because he's so prevalent in other media, because he's the he would be the protagonist and the infallible protagonist, some would say, in in like a lesser movie that's mostly just about American being great at war, like mm. a film that would have like the title of like Last Gun or Future Sniper or some shit like mm -hmm. that. He's that character, and it is done very very well. I will say that I actually really liked his version of Captain America's costume as well, specifically because of the choices of colors, and I don't think that cat costume was in the promotional material was it so i can't talk about it which is a shame um was it in the promo i'm gonna have to have a look i i think he probably turned up in a trailer at some point but i can't remember you see it from the back actually i don't think you actually see white russell front on uh, mm. until the show you know what i'm just gonna say it because it's it's a minor thing and it's just something that will enhance the first time you see the costume the the absent color on john walker's captain america costume is white which is very interesting thematically because white is often uh, associated with purity. Mm. And uh, that ain't John Walker. <laughs> it just fits no. real well. It, it is a really good job, I think, from top to top. Like, I, I, I do have a criticism, but it will require a spoiler. But it is, again, nothing to do with White Russell, who, again, I would love to see come back. He very much is. It's pretty much like telegraphed at this point he's going to be back for something. We're not quite sure, but he will be back for something in the future. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he does a great job. I Now, I'm loath to do this because she is a Midland girl. She um, is. She's from Tamworth. Uh, I, I, I keep getting it confused with Telford, which is a make-believe town, but she's not. She's from Tamworth. Um, <laughs> what have you got against Telford? They invented Telford. Like, it literally didn't <laughs> exist until, I think, like the 50s, and then they just made up a town and <laughs> named it after Thomas Telford. So it's a make-believe town. Um, yeah, but we but, say the same about America. That's a made-up country. Yeah, but they've been doing it a lot longer than, like, 50 years. So That's true. Yeah, Telford's well, made up. Doesn't also, it? I, I just got to, before we move on, because I had this, this, this thought, it's like you were talking about, like, the, the John Walker character and all I could yeah. think of. If we were going to sum it up like in his transition into being Captain America, to quote Hamilton is, welcome, everyone, to the Adams administration. It's like every, <laughs> everything's slightly worse now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry. Let's talk about Erin Kelly then. So, yeah, again, love to do it. And to reiterate, Telford is a made-up place. Does have a nice TJ Fridays, but that's about it. <laughs> In the um, middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but so does Warsaw, so it doesn't really count. Um, she, 
is oh, I feel bad again because we've isolated the two prominent female characters but she's a bit of a charisma vacuum let's be real Darren we've not just isolated all of the female characters we've also isolated all the characters of colour um, now oh, that Jesus we said Christ. that we are not a progressive podcast oh no the thing, but the thing is, we uh, let's no. We let's like Sam. At... We liked we like Anthony Mackie. He's we, great. Yes, <laughs> we we like the performances. We just have a problem with the plot they all serve. That being said, and you know, we don't like to do this to you, Erin. You are you are one of us. But you, you got dealt the dab hand here. This this was not a good role at all, and a lot of that has to do with this character's place in the world where mm-hmm. that poses like an interesting question of what about the needs and wants of the people that lived in the snap and something we really only got a look at from the superhero perspective during the first half hour of endgame yeah very interesting what it fails to do is is see this character through and not turn them into a psychopath you're right, it's just... Again, you need antagonists for this show. But I feel like coming off of Winter Soldier really being a kind of shade of grey, of Cap is going against Civil War as well, of Cap operating his grey area of he's going against the government and all this jazz, I feel like you could have had more layers here that I think a more charismatic actress could have pulled off. But she's having all these great ideas. Again, the character is is ripe for the picking. There, there is some good fertile ground to go with that type of character. So if you don't know um, the character that Arian Kellerman plays, which is Carly, heads up the Flag Smashers. Now, in the comic books, Flag Smasher is one person. Here it's like a, a terrorist group. For, yeah, they're a terrorist group. They blow things up. Um, and they are vehemently against... Basically, they're trying to fight for the life they had Um during the blip when basically the whole world came together borders and all this jazz kind of became less so because half the population disappeared they were happy with that since the blip has kind of happened again everyone's come back a lot of these displaced people have been forced into internment camps you know there is a a one world government trying to sort it all out but she doesn't believe that it's working slash doesn't really want it to work she was happy when everything was open and free and all that jazz Again, I think a more charismatic performance really could have drove that home and really made you think more. But she comes off as such like a... She's really kind of boring. (laughs) She's just really one note of just like, one world, one people. We will get back our place in the world. They cannot do this. And it just doesn't carry the weight it needs to to really sell what could have been another great plot if, again, it wasn't fighting for room with 20 other plots at any given time. Yeah, uh, and the big problem with that is, is that I think I think what Eric Kellyman is trying to do, and I want this to sound as nice as possible, I think she's trying to do the working class hero character. Mm. The problem is it doesn't fucking work because to be the working class hero, you need to be charismatic. And I don't understand thematically how so many people can get behind specifically Carly Morgenthau's ideology especially when it is not delivered with much gravitas and it very quickly is starting to fall apart the second you really take a look at it. The idea of 
there being this anti-patriotism villain for the piece thematically fits really well because the entire series is about filling the void left by the most patriotic man alive. The problem is, is that it's not substituted, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you've got uh, the Red Skull in uh, First Avenger, you know, and that's a very straightforward good and evil story, you know, Nazi bad. But like over here, you've got anti-patriotism, which isn't necessarily evil. It's not an inherent evil ideology to you know, want globalization and to want, you know, the one world, one people message isn't necessarily a bad idea. It is just how, you know, to, to make a villain, it needs to be how that starts to fall apart and starts to resemble something that's evil. This starts off very, very, very evil from the get go. There is no gradual descent into having that as a a twisted ideology gone wrong or like the... Again, we're bringing up Thanos again, but Thanos thought he was doing the right thing and you kind of got it. This this goes like the first time you see the Flag Smashers, they are hurting people and they're doing it for fun. And it thematically falls apart the second it's introduced and that's why none of it works. It could have worked if they'd just given this plot line to Zemo. I can, like... Yeah, this is why I think that maybe... This was Zemo's plotline to to be in a previous version of the script, which apparently also a previous version of this show, or at the very least, it's actually on the cutting room floor now, actually contained a pandemic storyline. Yeah, I saw that. And I don't know if that's to blame for some of the kind of like uneven storytelling here is they basically had to write out an entire plotline that did revolve around Carly Morgenthau's mother, like catching this disease and and because we see her death in the series but apparently that was meant to come at the hands of um the virus so having to work your way around that because of an actual virus is difficult but like zemo's right there it takes a little bit of you know maneuvering to get him in position to lead that thing but he's very charismatic he'd be all for a world that's kind of one world one people his country's gone why would he care about um, borders. You could say, like, well, no one came to Sokovia's aid when we were under all that much pressure, other than the superheroes don't like them either. So I'm not in favour of this at all. One world, one people, we can all, you know, for survival of the fittest. He would suit that, but they instead give it to Carly Vaughan, and she's just not... Like, I can't remember if she was, like, I don't remember having these problems with her when she was in Fest Nest in uh, Solo, but she had very limited screen time there. Now she's given like this big swathe of screen time. Just doesn't work for her, unfortunately. I just don't think it's the right role for her. I th- I think she, no. there is a place for a character like this in the MCU because I've, I I truly believe that there is a place for all kinds of characters in the MCU. But you look at the rest of Kaliman's work. There's Ephis en- Enfis Nest. Is that you pronounce it? Ephis Nest. I, don't, I can't remember. That's I, I said infest nest, but infest. that's surely that's too much of a oh, oh, infest nest. But I feel like that's too much. That's too unsubtle even for uh, George Lucas. Yeah, quite possibly. I'm going to say infest as well. Uh, infest nest. Right. So, you know, but uh, that was quite a sympathetic character because the entire point was that group was misunderstood. But you look at the rest of of, of Erin Kellerman's work. You know, Eponine in Les Arab, That's not particularly a. Uh, a revolutionary role ironically because <laughs> because that is a, that's a tragic character this isn't the kind of character that kellyman is 
should be playing. And that's the big problem is that it's not necessarily a bad performance. It is a missed cast performance. If you I imagine now try and imagine that the Carly Morgenthau or whatever version of this character exists is played by somebody like and, and this is going to sound weird, but somebody like a Bob Dylan, like that kind of like this. The system has done this to me and I don't give a fuck, but I believe in the people like that kind of attitude would really work for this character and that's not what you get here what you get here is that somebody that is just hurt and that is pretty much the only emotion that's ever conveyed and it it doesn't work because i don't believe the rage i don't believe the passion or the cause i only believe well i don't believe any of it frankly if they just have kept michael b jordan alive at the end of black panther Oh, fucking hell, yes. Oh, fucking hell, yes. He would have been ideal for this. But, alas. So, now there's, uh, there's two new characters that are introduced in this that I really want to talk about, but I feel like I want to save them for after the spoiler alert because mm. they are directly tied to what I think is my favourite plotline, but also the one I feel like really could have anchored its own series and I'm disappointed they didn't just do a whole run about these yeah um we do get introduced to where is his name uh joaquin torres played by danny ramirez and uh, i don't know if this is going to be a spoiler alert or not but in the comic books he does go on to play a version of falcon so they could be setting up another future uh mc person there the small amount we see him i had him pegged as like well you're gonna turn heel uh he doesn't but uh he's fun to be around in the short appearances we get from him yeah, no, I I would like to see this Falcon return. He, I, I I liked this character's optimism when he turns up. For the small time he does, there is there is a certain uh like belief in this character that I really enjoyed. I will say it will be really hard to do the comic books version of that character if they do introduce him, considering that he's a bird human hybrid. Um. Although we haven't had anything that much of a body horror thing yet, so maybe that would be something interesting to do. I don't know. Maybe. I I feel like the tone of this doesn't really point that way, but maybe that's like the kind of um, departure from the norm they need to kind of, you know, maybe do something about that in Captain America 4. That could be quite cool. Uh, Is there anybody else you want to talk about uh looks like there's two people i do want to mention but they they do require a bit of a spoiler warning um, oh there's a uh, clay bennett who plays battlestar who is the falcon to white russell's uh captain america mm. he's called battlestar um again great he, he doesn't show up all that much but i i liked his appearance i like his interactions with with uh, john walker i think what was what was also good was the the costume for for Battlestar as well because it it is kind of still military and utility. I mean, it's it's got a very clear like body armor motif going on it, but it does also contain a little bit of that showy kind of patriotic uh, essence that you got in like the early comic book version of Bucky's costume. We're talking like the forties Bucky's costume. Because uh, Lord knows we don't need the actual Battlestar costume from the books, because that thing is a product of a time, to be said the least. Mm-hmm. You can say that again. Like, a little bit is like, wouldn't it have been interesting if they played into another plot line we're going to talk about, where there's like, if they made a point of like, well, saying, look at all the design work 
and workshopping that went into the new Captain America outfit, and yet his sidekick, and she hinted other things why they might have done this, like didn't get all that much aesthetical thought. Like he literally has the word Battlestar written on some SWAT gear, and that's about it. Mm. Like that could have been interesting, but I, I don't think they really go into that. Like, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it's a better than the one they could have had, I guess, but it's not much luck. Maybe that's what they're going for. Like, another plot point that they want to pull on is like, well, Captain America, the original Captain America suit was made during the 1940s when its style was dictated by the time. They wanted to be big and showy Uncle Sam. Whereas when they grandise the, um, the military now, like Trump was doing every other week, it was more, you know, people know what, current day military fatigues look like so to position captain america this new version as like the head of your army maybe you do want to kind of make it slightly more realistic and in keeping with what other people will be wearing in the field so again maybe that's why they went with this design aesthetic but still if it's to avoid the high collar and not make him look like harry hill that's a good decision <laughs> he looks like harry hill oh that's made, it made me love that costume now i've, I've changed my mind can we get <laughs> Can we get a uh, tactical Harry Hill? <laughs> That's, <what I> <laughs> that sentence has never been said in human history. <laughs> uh, well, I like the idea of anti-patriotism and no borders, but I really, I really like bashing people over the head with this shield. Hmm. hmm. How do I decide which one I like the best? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> <sighs> Anybody who didn't have the... Any American who's never heard of Harry Hill's TV burp will have no idea what's going on, but I'm okay with that. I <laughs> uh, uh, can't wait for Captain America 4, the knitted character. <laughs> I'm, I'm, God, I'm all for it. God, I miss Harry Hill's TV burp. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's everybody. Everybody that we can discuss without spoilers, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so I just think... A few points on the overall series. Like I said, there's... Even though they had to drop a plot, there's too many plots. Uh, this is way <laughs> too many plots. Um, <laughs> there's just way too many plot points. Like, it's just... Uh, but the thing is, it's it's tackling so many things. And because they're all half-baked, it already from the outset didn't look as narratively interesting as WandaVision was. Or as kind of mad as Loki looks. He's bringing a different type of energy, but that that's kind of invigorating me to go and watch this. Whereas, I feel that the, the worth in this in this series would have been if it had just taken one of those plots. There's a lot that are right for the picking. If they had just picked one and really done it well, I think I'd be higher on it. But the fact it tries to juggle so many plates, it kind of gives it and this is kind of my overall thoughts on the thing, especially since they immediately, like the day after the finale came out and said, we're planning to do Captain, Mar Captain, America, uh, Captain America 4 with these characters. It very, very much feels like it's a Deathly Hallows part one of like, this needed to happen as a necessary evil to put all the like things in place to then go on and make interesting see like not just captain america 4 but all the other things they kind of introduced that hint towards future projects this series was a leaping pad all those things needed it was a reshuffling and repositioning of the pieces more so than a really enjoyable 
standard, I don't think. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. I'd still give it a passing grade. It's still worth a watch. It's only six episodes, but it, it's not it's not going to trouble one division for being the best thing on Disney Plus this year by a by a long shot. It sure isn't, and we've seen uh, an even bigger gulf in the. Uh the 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 reviews as well so wandavision did have a tailing off to about an 80 percent approval by its final episode when mm-hmm. the rest of the series was like high 90s to 100 um just looking at rotten tomatoes for these six episodes you've got the highest rated two episodes were episode two and five uh, which have got a 100 percent which is very good um, but compare that to the finale which gained a 65 Mm. that's a big fucking drop off and i think to to me the drop off actually happens before episode five i think episode four has the the kind of the last big high point of the series for me and not necessarily an emotional high point i mean in in what makes the series interesting and actually worth watching week to week that drop off happened two-thirds of the way in which ain't great because that means the entire back half of what is essentially the third act isn't that good so it's yeah. not it's not troubling wandavision even though wandavision came down to a fucking magic fight in the air it was the lead up to that that kept us going yeah Th- this is all it's all fight all the time and whilst that fight is good it is far less varied and far less gripping than wandavision so it's definitely not going to trouble it no like I, I don't know if i'm just taking it a bit personally because I staked a little bit of my reputation on this series because it's like well known, particularly with uh, my fiance and, and you know, groups of friends in which I've discussed this with. That Captain America is my favourite Avenger. Like Spider-Man's my favourite, but he doesn't really count. Like he's always been my favourite. That's just not fair to anybody else. But Captain America is my favourite. And we bumped into some friends the other day, and they were, you know, they hadn't started watching this. They've watched WandaVision, but they hadn't started on this because, and I quote. Why would I watch the show about the most boring Avengers to boring sidekick? And I'm like, nah. and and I really went to town. I'm like, no, it's going to be great. I'd only think I'd seen the first episode at this point. And I was like, no, it's great because they're doing this and they're doing this and they're doing this. And it's going to be really good when it all comes together. And now I feel I've stuck my neck out. and It didn't all come together like I'd hoped. And now if they finish watching it and go, well, that was certainly a show about Captain America's two boring sidekicks. Like, I would argue with him. I did enjoy it, but not as vehemently as I kind of hoped I would be able to. Yeah, it, it, it's another example of the Langdon just not being stuck. And I still don't think we've had, outside of, like, Iron Man 3 and The Inhumans, which are just inherently shit and should be forgotten about, we've still not had a bad one of these. We're two series down and we've not had a bad one. We are still mm-hmm. two for two the Marvel Studios quality is still at least consistent. So yep. fingers crossed for whatever comes after this, whether that is a Falcon of the Winter Soldier season two or it is a Captain America four movie, that it that it builds off what was what was made here and actually fleshes it out or finalizes some plot points for God's sake, because you've done some good stuff, you just you just didn't stick it. You you know, you're this is very much a John Walker of series, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right. Spoiler alert! So, I'll give everyone a chance to get away, but I don't know about you, Michael, mm-hmm. but I really, really wish it had... I love the Winter Soldier, and I mean, he's the antagonist in probably the best non 
Avengers MCU movie. But I really could have done with this just being called The Falcon and just being about institutionalised racism. That would have been fucking excellent. Because all of the really good stuff in this series is from that plot line. And it just... Oh, it... it it really wants to say something. <laughs> it really wants us to do something as well, but we'll fucking get to that. Um, yeah, I, I think what you were trying to hold back from talking about was Isaiah Bradley. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Here we go. Right. This is by far and away the best thing this series does. But for whatever reason, whether it's because they did have so many plot lines to juggle or because Disney got a bit cold feet about... Do we really want to spend an entire Marvel property talking about institutionalised racism, considering who we are? I don't know. <laughs> yes, part of the Walt Other Jews Gone Yet Disney Corporation. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so I feel like it, at its current state, it's still very appreciated that it is at least brought up. Mm. But considering... So they introduce Isaiah Bradley and say his, his plot point, as it is in the comic books is he's basically the forgotten Captain America. It's based on real-life things they did to black soldiers, um, where they said they were giving them, like, tetanus shots. or No, it's typhoid shots, sorry. Mm. Um, and it turns out they were just doing horrific experiments on them. Um, and, you know, it was all just a ruse to make them not get suspicious. They did something similar in in the context of the MCU to try and again land on the super soldier serum it worked for isaiah bradley but through a certain series of events he never got mentioned no one knows about him and he was thrown in jail for 30 years and experimented on and i'm like in that one scene the first scene you get to see him with uh where basically bucky knows about this and he takes uh sam to go and meet him and you see how embittered he is and how it brings up all this stuff about oh they'll never accept a black captain america and all this jazz i was like this is it. I got really excited after that scene because I'm like, this is everything this show needs to be. Like, you had it right there. All you need was this plot line. Maybe Bucky can be there because he can say, look, they had three options. They had, can we make Bucky Captain America? He was technically Captain America's best friend, longest serving, also served in the military, also has a super, serial, super soldier serum in him, but is a criminal. So clearly not him. Are we going to make it Sam, the person that was ordained by Captain America himself to be the next in line? But, you know... He's not or, a superhero at the end of the day. He's not a superhero, and we can hint at some other things. Yep. <laughs> and then, or do we give it to fucking Whitebread over here, who, you know, double Medal of Honor winning, all-American blue-eyed blonde-haired boy. And we go with that. That is all you need. You yep. don't need this stuff about the flag smashers. You don't need anything else. That's all you need. You almost could have made like a, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, a more serious version of Team America World Police, where <laughs> where instead of it being trying to deal with this you know, ideologically troubled terrorist group led by a fucking child, it could have been Captain America is storming into different countries and blowing up half of Cairo. And yep. we're supposed to get behind it because he's Captain America. Like, there's your fucking plot. That's you know what, what I mean? the film would have been about. The plot synopsis should have been, can we accept a black Captain America? That is all you need. And they had the ingredients there. They introduced Osai Bradley. They introduced um, uh, Eli, is it? Yeah, Eli Bradley. 
uh, who's a little undercooked, but I hope that's by design because um, mm. I hope they're going to bring him back at some point. And I'm like, that would have been all we need. You oh, don't need. You have to remind me who Eli Bradley is in the books again. Uh, Eli Bradley is a patriot, and he's in the Young Avengers. He's the Captain America fac- um, facsimile in Young Avengers. Now, I can't, I'd never had to do a spoiler alert inside a spoiler alert, but comic book spoiler alert. Turns out, like, because everyone thinks because he's the grandson of the of um, Isaiah Bradley that he has all the Captain America powers. Turns out he doesn't, and he's actually hooked on a a super soldier enhancing like drug. Kind of like how Nuke was in the second series of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Oh, they should bring that back because that was really well done. Oh, it was, exactly. It was Daredevil, wasn't it? Not Jessica Jones. No, it was Daredevil. It was Jessica Jones series in one. No, series what one. was yeah. Nuke in? What was Nuke in? Shit. Right. You keep going on that. Okay. Um, okay. It's definitely not Daredevil because that was Kingpin, Electra, and Bullseye. I think and Punisher, it's Jessica yeah. Jones. Uh, yeah, it must have been Jessica Jones, right? It's got to have been. Uh, it yeah, because uh, Jessica Jones was a superhero as well, so it made sense because she couldn't have a punch up with the uh, the Purple Man, so that would make sense. You're gonna make me look it up, but anyway, I'm doing it now. Don't uh, worry. So it turns out <laughs> that he's a bit of like a fraud, but eventually they accept him. I don't know if they're going to do that or if they're just going to say, yeah, because he's the grandson of the Black Captain America, he has all those powers. And we are clearly setting up all the pieces for Young Avengers. Because, I mean, uh, we've got Cassie Lang has been aged up uh, and recast. Um, why would they do that if not to give her a more significant role going forward? Um, we've got Kate Bishop coming into the Hawkeye series. We've got Miss Marvel getting her own series. Uh, they've introduced Billy and Tommy in WandaVision. Um, you know, there are circumstances that mean we have to do a bit more work to get them to where they need to be. But they're there. Um and so on and so forth. They are very much as clear as day putting the Young Avengers together. And great. So good foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. Have you looked it up? Uh, yeah, it was Jessica Jones season one. Ah, okay. Damn. Why do I think it was season... Oh, it's Typhoid Mary's in season two. That's annoying. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so it's just so ripe and it's the one I'm most disappointed they didn't do. Like, I'm not... I, I, maybe Disney just didn't have the minerals to to stick it through and do a real examination of institutionalised racism. My God, would it have been of the time? They would have got a lot of plaudits for it, although people would have then probably got the knives out to go, well, that's rich coming from you, Disney. But I just really wish they would have done it because that's so, so interesting. That's not to say that other plot lines here weren't interesting, like the idea of what would you do politically and geographically and all this stuff when half your population comes back. What do you do? What you know, Bucky's storyline all by himself. You know, how do you get over being the world's worst assassin for sixty years under mind control of Hydra? All very narratively interesting, but you just don't give him the goddamn time. <laughs> this is it. I think the 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 thing that was supposed to sell the series of bringing both these characters back to explore how each other enacts on each other's life you now with the absence of Steve is the thing that undoes it. Because a Falcon series that is entirely about, you know, can the world accept a black Captain America and a Winter Soldier series that is entirely about can the world forgive the Winter Soldier. Yeah, there you go. Two great series. And we would have had more of what made the Winter Soldier probably one of the more interesting characters. Because can we talk about the scene in Wakanda? Because that was just beautiful bit of acting. And I just really want to highlight that Sebastian Stan is so 
goddamn good, and they and Disney just do not know what the fuck to do with him. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so annoying. That's what I'm saying. The it's the, the the kind of lower score we're giving this series is more born out of frustration of what it could have been. Mm. If they'd really just narrowed it down and said, no, we, we're not going to ram it full of every Captain America thing we can think of. It kind of has that X-Men 3 problem. And I like that film. But the cure for mutants and the Phoenix saga can both support their own movie. Despite what Dark Phoenix will have you know, um, they can support <laughs> their own film. I like that film too. I'm just such a bloody X-Men simp. Anyway, yep. they, they, they didn't need to, you know take time off the other one in the context of that film and it's the same here even if they'd done it of like they kind of done it like leapfrogging each other so you'd have a falcon episode talking about you know well Captain America picked a black guy but the government has now gone with a white dude and then the next episode is Bucky rehabilitation and then they eventually cross over near the end I think that because WandaVision basically did that we had all the mm. stuff happening in in Westview but then all the stuff with Monica Rambeau on the outside. Uh, it was a bit more heavily weighted towards WandaVision, obviously, because she was the named character. If you've got two separate ones, you can have two separate adventures. They just feel like they're in a rush to get them together to have that chemistry. And Chuck Baron Zemo in there, why not, as the agitator? But because that plotline doesn't really pay off, it wasn't worth it. And would have been much more worthwhile to examine them separately. Especially when we do get to the, and huge spoiler alert, when we do get to sam taking the shield up it doesn't like i i kind of okay that suit is brilliant because it is a oh yeah it's a almost it is entirely almost direct comic book adaptation they've not had to mess with how they first drew sam wilson's captain america suit it translates really really well but the the problem is is that the the series's worst episode which despite what the critics might think i think is episode five because it feels like in a better film that would have been more succinctly told in about 10, 15 minutes rather than what they did yep. with that 45 to an hour. Um, it, it does explore like, you know, the, Sam can handle the shield. What's interesting actually, and something that they don't bring up is that Sam needs to like massively train with that shield for the mm. entirety of that episode. And the first time you see John Walker outside of him looking like Carl from up, is him handling the shield. It's like, okay, so the dude's clearly got talent. like, it, it, yeah. And they show it off so that it doesn't look like the hollow choice for a Captain America that it is. And that's not really explored. We don't really get much of the, the sense of how long was the government meditating on replacing Captain America? Are they meditating on replacing anybody else? Are we setting up the Dark Avengers? Which I, I thought that's where we were going, especially with the introduction of um, uh, oh, I'm what's her name? From I got you. Beep? I got you. I got you. It's Julia um, Louise Dravers playing <clears throat> Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Yeah, I thought she was Madame Hydra the first time she turned up. I got real excited, and nah, it's not. So I thought that's where we were going. I thought, you know, we've got US agent. Are we doing Dark Avengers? And that would be that would be interesting because you've got the two main figureheads of either side of the Civil War debate out of the picture now. They're both either dead or on the moon. So 
is the government looking to install their own Avengers? We kind of got hints of that with the Iron Patriot thing, where mm-hmm. they were more than happy for Rhodey to be the face of American patriotism, but not here. Yeah. So what's changed? Questions. Um, so I thought that's where they were going. And they just don't. It's another abandoned plot line. Or well, at see, least it's I... a setup for season two, which is it going to happen now? I I think it's a setup, but I don't necessarily think it's for a second season of this. I think they're setting up the Thunderbolts. I would like, I would like that. I would like that. I, I I think you can start to tick off people who are falling into place for that to happen. So if you don't know, it's kind of like it's it's not like the Suicide Squad because they're not necessarily criminals. Um, actually, no, it kind of is. That they're, they're they're morally great. I mean, like you couldn't really describe a U.S. agent. Um, well, John Walker, as he ends up becoming U.S. agent in a really very subtle piece of dialogue, um, <laughs> like they they are you know, morally grey people that they put on the team run by Thunderbolt Ross called the Thunderbolts. I think they're either setting that up for a separate film or more likely it's been set up for the Secret Invasion, Nick Fury uh, and Talos series that's coming, I think, next year uh yeah late 2022 isn't it let me just double yeah. check that so there is room we've st- if we've still got loki and miss marvel and hawkeye to go that's enough time to get everyone into position because apparently uh julia louise dreyfus will be turning up in black widow as well so there's potentially potentially people from that film that are going to be poached into this new team um so great um i think julia louise dreyfus is a great actress i think she's a great addition to the mcu because um, everyone was like saying, "Oh, there's a massive cameo in episode five and I was like, "Oh my God!" And I was like, "Oh, don't 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 pick that up as someone I have to go and look up on Marvel Wiki to <laughs> figure out who the hell they are." But again, great to um, uh, I've got a name already, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. That was great. Um, but yeah, they're definitely setting her up for that. Maybe might be setting up Sharon Carter for that as well. But more on that in a second. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like it more than Claire Temple unites everybody with her vagina. So, you know, I'm going to like most <laughs> things better than that that device. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Whilst we're kind of skirting around the subject, the one criticism I have the, of the new Captain America of John Walker mm. is that it very much feels like he he turns quickly. And so basically, he he doesn't have the serum. He's just a normal dude at the start of it. But he gets his ass kicked by the Flag Smashers, who are super soldiers, and can easily kick his ass. And he basically, there's a very obvious point where they they're gearing up him versus Sam as like, well, who should be Captain America? And they both get asked in a roundabout way, if you were offered the super soldier serum would you take it sam point blank no doesn't want it doesn't need it um and john walker doesn't really give a straight answer but then he's presented with the opportunity to have it and takes it straight away now there's a bit of a hand wavy bit where uh baron zemo who's obviously the most vehemently against the super soldier serum he says it corrupts everybody who takes it with one exception and he's dead now and I feel like that's their way of trying to very quickly describe why a man who has two medals of honour and was the clear choice to be Captain America then beheads a dude in the fourth episode. Which, you got to be real, right? That image of him holding the shield with, like, the blood soak 
up the yeah. bottom of it, where he's clearly used it exactly in the way we thought that Steve was going to do to Tony in mm-hmm. um, in Civil War. That's, that's a good visual. That was the last yeah. point at which I think the series was truly interesting. Um, ironically, the second that Super Soldier died. By the way, like it, anybody and their fucking dog can knock up a Super Soldier serum nowadays. There's just yeah. way too many super soldiers. Because there's, <laughs> there's all the ones that are still on ice at the end of Civil War. Then you've got the flag smashers running about. John Walker as well. You, you've still got Bucky. There's a new Captain America who, whilst not being a super soldier, is very much enhanced, if by technology. There's a lot of these fuckers running about now. Like, yeah. how come that's not a plot point? Well, we had too many, Michael. Let's not try and invite more in. But I feel like a way to do it would be to say, like, we, we have got now 99% of the way. We can make it enhance you without any terrible side effects because of all the stuff, they, the experimentation they did on Isaiah Bradley. But they've still not worked out the last kink, which is how do you stop something that makes you the ultimate human being and a, the, you know, the peak of what our species can achieve without that having a corrupting influence. Mm. If they've thrown that in there, that explains why the Flag Smashers escalate their um, acts throughout the series. It's just, you know, a sign of... Because they're not, like... They're, they're pretty fresh to being super soldiers when we first meet them. So you can say, you know, if they've been it for months or years and years and years and it hadn't corrupted them, and then all of a sudden it does over the space of, what, like a four weeks, something like that, that's a bit inconsistent. If you'd sound in the first episode like they've literally just turned and this is happening to them, then that's fine. Because then you do keep Captain America, Steve Rogers, as like the you know, the pure one, the only one it properly 100% worked on. Mm. And everybody else has got to deal with that. That explains John Walker's pretty quick descent into everything. Like thematically, it does work. It's just logistically, it's like, well, how does he go downhill that fast without you having a more rooted in science explanation than Baron Zemo, who is pretty biased at this point, just going, oh yeah, it just corrupts any fucker. So, you know, you could inject this into David Attenborough and you become a prick. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I, I, I love the image of a, uh, a super soldier David Attenborough just pummeling the shit out of us because we're polluting the oceans. Uh, I'd be all for that. <laughs> Fuck that, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> David Attenborough, the planet's revenge. <laughs> oh, he's Captain Planet. There we there go. There we go. <laughs> By your powers come back. Um, no, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Um, yeah, I, I hope for better as we go forward because this is messy. Ain't none messier than that last episode though, where it's very much a case of even oh, the speech they gave to Sam. Where it's just uh, fuck me. He, I. <laughs> go, go on, sorry. Go, no, no, I want to hear what you think first because you've you've heard what I think about it. <laughs> it's just well, I don't want to like echo what you're about to say, but it, yeah, they. I, I was really willing them to hit it out the park because they were right there with all the things happening in the episode of him turning up in the new costume. It looks fucking mint tactically stupid because you've left his forehead exposed like <laughs> just put a put a little bit of vibranium on there wakanda you've got a lot of it the one bit where if you did hit him he'd go down like a sack of shit and it's yeah, the exactly. one bit that's I, sticking out i don't know if they've left it off because it looks like well either someone doing a skeleton bob 
a condom or cyclops who is the worst of those three options like i get that but i anyway so he looks great he's now captain falcon and he's going to show us his moves it's <laughs> brilliant but so again all that's going well he comes out he smashes through the window and says who's that and he goes oh, i'm captain america he's owning the narrative now it's showing him saving people despite not having the zip Soldier serum it's all going great and then they just really wanted him to have a big old speech and it I really wanted it to work, Michael. And I feel like we've been a bit dangerous again, as cripplingly white, cripplingly straight people. I, I, I just don't think it does. It, it. I was saying to Darren when we saw each other in person the other day, which was a wonderful thing. Um, it was. It came off a little bit like because there is a Simpsons quote for everything. It came off as as like when Homer goes into the post office. He's like, "My name is Mister Burns. I believe you have a letter for me." Ah, oh, yes. What's your first name? I don't know. <laughs> and, and with this, it was like the world government needs to come together and do something. And they're like, "Yeah, cool. Okay, thanks, Captain America." The problem is, is that you know, close to. 3.5 billion people appeared in one go and now there's not enough houses to go around what do you want us to do i don't know <laughs> but you should do something whatever it is just do i mean we were talking uh before the podcast started about uh someone's terrible idea for a podcast about middle management and um yeah. that is middle management on a fucking global scale right there i don't care what you do just do something and not in like an inspiring way, not like a, you know, like a speak now or no one will be there for you when it's yeah. to be heard. It's right. Get cracking on solving the problem. Cool. Where do we start? Fucked if I know I'm just a dude with a shield. And it, it kind of undoes the Captain America like vibe for me. It does. Uh, like you've really got to nail that speech. You've got to make it bloody poignant as hell. And there are some bits that do work him talking about look for once we all have a common goal for the first time in human history since we like you know escape the savannah we all have one unifying goal and that is you know to recover from the worst event in human history we shouldn't be thinking about divisions at this point we should be thinking only about the collective and how we move forward do we need nations anymore do we need any of that we proved when we had the blip that we could carry on despite the worst things happening he talks about you know you don't know about pressure and he goes hey, what do you mean i don't know about pressure i'm a black man you know wearing the captain america suit i know about pressure and so on and there's, 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 it's it's kind of emblematic of the entire series there's ingredients there to make that a really killer speech and have that be like an absolute booted out of the park one but instead you're right we just get you need to do something okay what something uh <laughs> are you gonna help us figure out what that something is no bye <laughs> yes it oh man if i hope they don't keep this up because he then will genuinely be captain hindsight it's like, <laughs> he will. well we did something you should have done that thing away <laughs> thank you captain hindsight <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, I, I feel Falcon. real bad that this is like <laughs> 
I feel really bad that this is like, you know, it's a big thing. You know, they, they, they've jumped over Bucky, who I was just about getting over him not being Captain America. And then I saw someone did a Photoshop of him in his suit, like Sebastian Stam in his suit. And I'm like, fuck, I want that so bad. But like, I was like, you know what? That looks dope. I, I enjoy that this series has tackled some yeah. issues, if even if only skin deep. They've at least tried mm. something different. And then, like, his first big Captain America moment is such a wet fucking fart. And it's just such know, a shame. Like, do you know whenever Adam Sandler, like, makes a big speech in one of his movies and there's always somewhere, like in Billy Madison, when he's like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And everyone in this room is dumber for hearing it. <laughs> felt like that's what bookish should have been like like <laughs> that didn't is the adrenaline still going sam because i didn't make any sense <laughs> i'm gonna say some weird shit <laughs> <laughs> like he's just saying some like 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 it sounded good like the volume and the and the emphasis was all great but the words meant nothing sam literally nothing <laughs> oh but like again I feel like in a more, if they'd really only focused on that and got, I, I, to be fair, I'll hands up. I don't know who directed these episodes. I don't know who was on the right and stuff. But if they'd have got in, you know, they, they've really gone down, like Soul did, of like, they were like, no, we want this to be authentically about the black American experience and just had that as the one singular goal and gone it and got all the creative types that can help them get along. Like, the same thing they did with Black Panther. If they'd have had that, I feel like they could have made a speech that really hit home and didn't just kind of half do it, but it was then also half farcical. Like, it's just all symptomatic of this. They really wanted a lot. This carries a lot of weight, and it just holds together because the actors are good, we like the characters, and the action's good. But I feel like it's it's just it's creaking under all the narrative weight it's having to hold up. Now, hopefully... Captain America 4 is the full, you know, kind of examination of that. And then it's easier to forgive some of the sins of this series. It was a necessary thing they had to do to get us to have, you know, not just on Disney Plus explore all these ideas of a black Captain America, but doing it on the big screen. I don't know how you do that. We've kept kind of repeating some of the stuff you've done here, mm. but I'd like to think they can at least do that. And then that is, you know, then it's an even better move. Like, you didn't save all your big talking points about institutionalised racism for your Disney Plus series that not that many people are going to see. By comparison, you're now going to do it for, on the big screen, more people, wider audiences. Ooh, I've had a thought. That being? You don't think they've done... Oh, this is a horrible thought, but hear me out. It's a thought experiment. We know Black Panther 2 is coming, mm -hmm. but... Obviously, after what happened to Chaswick Boseman and all that jazz, like it, it, it's going to have some problems going forward. You don't think they've gone, well, it worked in Black Panther really well. So, you know, the, you know, a black superhero can easily front a franchise and make a lot of money and be culturally relevant and critically acclaimed. You, you don't think they've just done, well, let's do that, but we've Captain America. It's It's hard to say. Mainly because you've got the three main people who were Captain America of Steve, Bucky and uh, Sam. Mm. And I know that they want to get to a point where much like in, you know, after the 2015 revamp in the comics of the all new, all different line where you had like the good characters like Kamala Khan and Miles Morales come into the forefront. You also had Sam Wilson as Captain America. 
I think it's very much a desire to want to get to the lineup for those teams, you know, to get the champions for the kids team or the young Avengers or whatever you want to call them, to have that lineup ready and to also then say, you know, they've, they've, they're making a fucking Ironheart series. I hate Ironheart. I think she's one of the most tokenistic representations of a black character. And I say that as a cripplingly white person, so don't listen to me too, too much. But she's an underwritten character for the sake of having a 15 year old replacement for Iron Man that is a black girl because, well, there is no explanation. Mm. I don't think that this is necessarily in the same vein as an Ironheart decision. I think this is just a desire to be to be reflecting what is also being in the books because people see those as like we've started we've stopped pulling the classic stories now but I think I feel like we've done the vast majority of the classic stories because that mm. kind of died off with the Infinity Saga. I think what they want phase 4 going forward to be is more of a reflection of the modern day um stories which i think is why we've got characters like torres showing up to be yeah. the new falcon I, I, I don't know whether the the black panther one is similar because we still don't know what they're going to do there everybody thought you know without being dreadful chadwick boseman wasn't cold yet and people were saying he's sure he's taking over without yeah. without there being a real time to to think about what the absence of that character is especially when it's not the same kind of absence as we have here because steve had his goodbye and you know we, we, without being dreadful we've still got chris evans to come back and do a cameo if we need him chadwick yeah. it's a very different situation we can't do that anymore we've got him for what if and that's it that's the last yeah. time we'll see that version of the character but the last time we'll see t'challa I, I don't know whether that's what the tra- I'll be honest if if it was me and considering we haven't even talked about the Dora Milaje in this series I wouldn't be mad if there is in Black Panther 2 there is no Black Panther for the vast majority of it and it's about and this is going to sound fucking weird but it's about Bucky and him mm. going back and doing the White Wolf thing maybe he trains up Shuri I wouldn't be mad about that I could be okay with that. It feels like, yeah, they, they very much put the Dora Milaje back in there to strengthen that tide back to Wakanda, which was kind of like a a passing thing at like the end of Winter... Uh, at the end of... Um, yeah, it is Winter Soldier, isn't it? Uh, no, it's the end of Civil War yeah. that they, he goes to Wakanda, isn't it? So they, they still want us to make that connection, so that's probably... I will point out, she's a massive plot hole that, like... Wakanda, which is famously insular and not very, yeah, they started to be more outreaching at the end of Black Panther, but still pretty, you know, keep everything in house. That they would then hand over Baron Zemo, who is basically their Osama bin Laden, to an American prison. <laughs> yeah, like, that was like that is literally just so he gets to stay in play and can join the Thunderbolts, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's it's difficult and like. like me saying, are they doing that because of, you know, everything that happened with Chadwick Boseman? Just because there's a little bit of cynicism in there from like, a, well, you know, we've lost our one flagpole, well, tent peg, um, tent pole is the word I wanted to say there. The flagpole and uh, tent peg. I don't, World's yeah, worst. The, 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 the tent pole oh, African-American series, they've lost that. 
but now they have a chance to do another one. Just because there's some marketing cynicism in there, that doesn't mean it's still not worthwhile because it can still have that greater impact. You know what I mean? Like, uh, please don't take this to me as going, oh, it's just corporate decisions, da 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 It can still be important, like Black Panther was, to have a film that fully explores the ramifications of a black Captain America. I'd be all for it. Right, real quick, I just want to talk about Sharon Carter for a second. <laughs> because oh, the no. most interesting thing about her entire thing came from the new Rockstar's breakdown of Easter eggs. So... She has the last scene. She is pardoned by the the, the New World Order. Um, not the good one from wrestling, but the... Uh, <laughs> I say good. I fucking hate WCW, but yeah. So Hulk Hogan um, says she's fine, uh, and she <laughs> is... Uh, she's welcome back into... Um, in te- they don't really say welcome back to the CIA or anything, but she is pardoned. And... She walks out and goes on a phone to somebody and says, well, forget super soldiers, but now we have access to basically all the government secrets, their weapons, and their blah, 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 blah. Um, which I hope they didn't think was just everyone realising that Sharon Carter had turned to the dark side, considering she had done that from the second she turned up. But, so that that might play into either secret invasion or potentially into armour wars, which you've got coming up with, uh, with War Machine. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, which is yeah. about all the tech falling into the wrong hands. It's actually so. If you don't go back and watch uh, New Rockstar's breakdown of all the Easter eggs, they're really, really great um, supplemental viewing to these shows. Pointed out that some of the tech we see Sharon Carter using that last episode is is it's interesting because yeah. she throws a grenade-looking thing that glows green and then releases a green smoke. <laughs> what if? Hear me out. The person on the other end of the phone was Norman fucking Osborne and was setting up Goblin. Now, I'd be a bit wary because obviously they don't own the Green Goblin character. But, as was pointed out in that video, uh, Sony had come out and signed a new deal with Netflix to have all of their uh, films come to Netflix first after cinematic release. But then, like two weeks later, they then signed a similar deal with a Disney Plus, which means, I guess... Netflix gets first run, but then it will kind of be archived on Disney+. Plus. So that seems to show that the, the working relationship is still there. Maybe they're going to look to try and extend that Spider-Man contract a little something-something. And we might be getting Norman Osborn in the MCU. I would love that. I would just flat right. out love that. It's, it's very goblin-y looking... And they made a point of showing you what this weaponry was. And Spider-Man's coming, you know what I mean? Like, it will be this year, and it's going to have a lot of dimension hopping. I'm not saying that William Defoe is back, although that would be lovely. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, just, I, I just, think... just, uh, oh, what you could do is you could reshow the Iron Patriot armor. And it's like, ah, oh, we've already seen this. And then just like the back of his head and just the line, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Ah! <laughs> yes, want, please. If they're gonna if they're gonna cast a new person though, I need them to have comic accurate Norman Osborn hair, which defies all ex- like <laughs> I've never been able to figure out what that hair's meant to be. Like it's, because it's, it's brown like with horizontal black wavy lines. It looks ridiculous. Right, right. Oh, anyway, it's it's mad. But like, well, he was the head of the Dark Avengers in the Iron Patriots. Scene. He was. So if they're not setting up the Thunderbolts. Maybe they're setting up the Dark Avengers with Norman Osborn, or maybe a, a combination of the two. You know, they'd like to cherry pick from several different 
Um, Storylines, when they're putting things together, they don't just have one. You know, Civil War was a very loose adaptation of that book. Maybe that's what they're doing. They're cherry-picking the best aspects of the Thunderbolts and the Dark Avengers to put that together for either its own series, or that they're going to do Secret Invasion and chuck them in there. Who knows? But that was just a little tidbit I wanted to leave you on, that we might be getting our first hints that uh, Norman Osborn is on this way. Which would be good, because I think we need characters like Norman Osborn and hope, well, at some point we're getting a Fantastic Four, so you'd assume that Doctor Doom comes with that. We're going to need that in order to keep the franchise going, because as we found out, when you have a weak villain, the, the, the story doesn't work. And that's the problem that we had here. It only, the I mean, the Agatha Harkness character in WandaVision works so well, because that, even though we all knew it was coming, it was executed with a flavour that we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. It, this series proves that we can't just keep plodding along with the same identity and the same stakes and the same kinds of characters because it doesn't yeah. fucking work. We need something new and fresh. If that new and fresh happens to be an age-old character from the comic books, so be it. I'm all down for it. Fantastic. Plug away, Michael. You can go find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Michael, and you can go and find Darren on Twitter and Instagram at the Guttridge. You can come on there, go and find the site on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the username FowlENT. That's F O U L E N T. Find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can pick up an RSS feed under the username FowlENT or FowlENT Podcast, depending on the service you're using. And of course, go to fansentainment.com for more podcasts and more articles, uh, highlights of which include, I, I got 20 out of my 23 Oscar predictions right. If you want to read something that now is completely out of date, hey, go and read that. It's always fun. Uh, so just real quick, I found out that the guy who played Isaiah Bradley, uh, Carl Lumley, is DC's go-to voice in animated things to voice uh, the Martian Manhunter. So... There's that. That's a thing. Yeah, enjoy. Um, he was. Oh my god! Wait, was he in Supergirl? Was he? Hang on, it. Goddamn, he was in Supergirl. Was he? He was playing. Was he the head of Star? Johns? Oh, was he playing John Johns? Really? Well, it didn't say John Johns. It says M M hyphen Y M Mjern Johns. Okay. Maybe he was Martian Manhunter's brother. Hang on. Let's give that good. Anyway, um, coming up soon. Uh, yeah, you can go listen to our Oscar preview podcast, but it's still it, we do talk about all of the um, Oscars in full, so it's still a good breakdown of what Michael liked and what he didn't like, which happened to also be the Academy's favourite film. Um, <laughs> coming up soon, uh, we have Pokemon Snap is coming out at the end of this week as we record it, so we'll have a review of that coming up soon rather than later. We will of course be back for both Loki and Black Widow in the not-too-distant future, uh, and then we're probably going to have to start watching some other material. Marvel has helped us quite significantly in the last few weeks, but uh, I don't know about you, Michael, but I feel we might have to have another uh, The Media of Lockdown Part 3. It's it, it, it's brewing. Yeah, it certainly is. However, that won't be our first concern because we just hit episode 99 of Popscorn. Oh, I completely forgot that we have a 100th episode spectacular coming up. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, uh, this is episode 99. So coming up, we have a uh, hundred. So do we want to give away what we're doing? I mean, it's not been all that subtle. You can probably guess what we're going to do. Yeah, I, 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 it's not going to be subtle at all whatsoever. But uh, Lovely. Go on. We are going to do mine and Michael's personal top ten favourite movies of all time. We're still not 100% sure how we're going to do it, but I think the plan at the moment is 
Episode 100A will be me and Mike going through uh, number 10 through number 5 choices. And then 100B will be me and Michael going through our 5 to number 1 favourite films of all time. Uh, Not to give too much away, I hope you like Star Wars talk. Uh, (laughs) There's going to be a fair amount of that. There's probably going to be a lot of Marvel talk too. But uh, yeah, we are actually just going to spell out all of our favourite movies, gush uncontrollably about why we love them. Uh, for two whole episodes, and then we'll hopefully get back to being slightly more critical uh, in episodes past that point. Yeah, once we've got rid of all of our credibility, we will get right back to the good stuff. Of course, uh, Darren's not planning on watching it, but Mortal Kombat is out now, uh, which I'm planning on watching. We might have to wait till the end of the year to talk about that. And long term, Loki might be the next big one, I think. I think. Is Black Widow first or is Loki first? Yeah, Black Widow's July. Yeah, so Loki is next. Well, we get three huh. series deep before we get our first actual like big tentpole movie of the year. That's right. that's really something. God, June's going to be a hell of a thing because we're going to have Loki and D3 happening at basically at the same time. Right. It seems like the world might actually get back to some kind of state of being normal by that point. Although now I've said it, it definitely won't happen. Sorry, everybody. If everyone wants to know who to blame for the continuing pandemic, it is, of course, Michael Owen. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.